All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Sweet. Thanks for joining us, and let's make a deal. How many of you watched that show as a kid? How many of you were into it? I, I remember, man, I would sit there on the edge of my seat as a kid. I, and then how many of you dreamed and wished you could have actually been on the show, right? You wanted to be on the show because the, the whole show is this idea that you're given something, but there's always an option for something greater. And this huge challenge on deciding whether you're going to trade in what you already have for door number one. And, and I used to sit there with so much anxiety and excitement just to see what would happen if we would actually trade in. And so we're starting a new series, and we're calling it, and, and I thought about this months ago, this idea hit me, let's make a big deal. Let's make a big deal. So it's fall, right, and everything is ramping up. Are you guys feeling the ramping up of your schedule right now? It's great. Football! Go Utes! That comes from a Michigan boy, by the way. So. But everything is ramping up. And so what we wanted to talk about, as you're getting into your schedule, as you're thinking about what this new year is going to be like, what is it? that we should make a big deal about. Because right now, you're figuring it out, man. Our, our kids all ju- jumped into school this week. We've got all these new schedules. We've got new sports. We've got new events. We've got all these other things happening at K2. There's tons of stuff here. And you and I need to decide. We have to make decisions. What, in all the options that are out there, is going to get me? What am I actually going to make a big deal out of? And, and so here's what God does. And this is why we're going to look at this, is God is always offering us amazing life. But there's always this transaction that goes on with God. And so we're going to look at four different doors throughout this series of a life that God offers us. And then basically what he says is, you decide. You decide if you want to trade in what you already have for what I'm offering you. And it's a big deal, the life that God offers us and the one that we're going after. So here's, and I want to start off right off the bat by saying, ultimately, all four of these weeks, what we're talking about is we're going to be making a a big deal about your heart. That's really all that God is saying. You need to make a big deal about your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, above all else, above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. There's a couple other translations that say, for it determines the course of your life. Everything you do flows from it, so guard your heart. The most important thing that you've got is this deep-seated thing that God has given every one of us, and it's where everything culminates. What you think, what you feel, your will is down in your heart, and he says you've got to guard it because from your heart, Everything you do will come. It's a big deal. It's a big deal what's going on in your heart. So we just did this whole entire series recently, right, on Discover You. And we were just saying that you need to figure out who God has made you to be, that there is a life that you've been given, that naturally God has created you in a certain way. And by the way, man, we had an awesome day yesterday. Jack and Kathy Wilson were here for our parenting conference and just unbelievable stuff. I mean, I, I took so many notes and just got, feel like I got so filled up and equipped to figure out how to parent my kids. 
Because one of the deals is my kids have been naturally made by God, right? And part of our job as a parent is to help discover who they are and help them to discover who God actually made them to be. So by the way, a little side note here. I actually asked Jack, because we told you guys to take the Myers-Briggs personality test, and that is what Jack actually has his doctoral in. He understands the Myers-Briggs personality test at such a deep level. Susie and I have so gleaned from his wisdom. Took him out to dinner last night again and just gleaned wisdom from them. And again, once you understand personalities, you have a great opportunity to, un- to better your marriages, to invest in your children, every work relationship you've got, and to understand yourself. So here's what I asked Jack to do. During the 1130 service, he's actually going to be upstairs, if you go upstairs to the to middle school commons up here, and he's offering another hour of his wisdom to pour into you to help you to understand more of who you are through this. So if you're interested, I just wanted to let you know that. But here's what we're talking about. Your life can only be realized, can only fully be found as you discover who God made you to be And what Jesus said was, you're created in me, but you're also created for me. So your heart and all the desires that are in there, all the the, the confusion, all the questions, every day making decisions, trying to figure out what's going to deeply satisfy your heart, your heart was made for him. And so when your heart gets unified with God, it actually starts to get satisfied. And then you start walking in the path that God has for you. And there's always three things that hit me. When I'm actually walking really close with God, three things happen. He actually gets glorified. Because people get to see my life, and they get to see, oh, that's what God is like. Then, whenever I'm walking with God, he gets glorified. Everybody else gets blessed. Because the way of God is you're free from yourself, and you actually love other people. And so he's glorified, everybody else gets blessed, and I get free. It's a win, win, win. So, your heart matters. Now, this is really interesting. So, Jesus says this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, if we're supposed to guard our heart, what Jesus is saying is, your heart follows your treasure. Now, if you've been in church, and I've said this, I think I've said it backwards before, right? Because lots of times we'll say, if you want to know where your treasure is, I mean, if you want to know where your heart is, where's your treasure, right? But that's not actually what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, not where your heart is, your treasure goes. He says, when you invest in something, when you give your treasure away, your heart follows. That's where it ends up. So here's the question this morning. What would happen if you invested in the kingdom of God? What would happen if your treasure was actually invested with God? Because what Jesus is saying is, then your heart would follow. And above all else, you got to guard your heart because when your heart gets connected to God, you've come fully alive. And so somehow this whole idea, a big deal, there's a big deal about this. And and so this is what we're going to talk about this morning. And now why are we making a big deal about this? Because there is more scripture in the Bible about money than almost anything else. Jesus actually talked more about money than even love. Why is that? Because he knew where your treasure is, 
that's where your heart would follow. And he cares about your heart. Now, I know this is usually in church, as soon as we bring up the money issue, it's like, Ooh. you know, there's, it, why? Because it's a big deal. And I, I always think, why would we not want to talk about this? Because here's what I do every time I do premarital. We always have to talk about money. Why? Because money is one of the top three things that destroys marriage. Should we talk about money? Why? Because money, wherever your money is, that's where your heart goes. And your heart is what's connected to your other person in your marriage. So why else should we talk about money? Because when you fret and when you worry and when you get anxious and when you're afraid, how many times is it because of what might happen to your finances? <laughs> I remember a couple years ago, we asked you, what are you most afraid of? What, what most produces fear and anxiety in you? Why don't you have peace? Almost all of you responded, it's because of my finances. This is a huge deal. God doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't want you to live in fear. So that's where we're going. Number one, we're going to make a big deal about what God makes a big deal about. And that's your heart. And now we can figure out, then let me get my finances in order. Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. All right? So let's pray, and let's ask God to speak to us, and then we'll dive in. Father, I just want to say thank you for loving us. First and foremost, at the very core part of who you are, you are love. And you love us. You never, ever want anything but what is best for us, what, is, what brings us life, and what sets us free. So God, thanks for bringing us here this morning. Thanks for every person who's in this room. You know them deeply and intimately. And I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you might just bring your truth, because Jesus, you said, man, when you hold on to my truth, when you know my truth, it will set you free. So God, I pray you do that right now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, is it, yeah, my water right there. So here's, here's the deal. About a, a little over a year ago, Mike Rutledge sent me this message from a guy named Robert Morris. And Robert is a, a pastor down in Texas. And um, when I watched this message, it, it was so revelatory for me. And I, I mean, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years, but this message turned on lights for me. Like I had, I had just deeper understanding than I had ever seen. So last year, Mike actually took the outline from Robert's message and gave this thing. And so when this came around again, I just said, here's what I know. I have watched this message at least a half a dozen times, six or seven times. And every time I do, it still blesses me. So I, just, I actually told everybody, I think I just want to throw up Robert. Let's just watch him on the screen. It's such a great message. But I want you to know that from my own heart, this stuff right here is really working to set me free. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start, and this is so cool, from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 and 2 says this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me, and consecrate, fancy, right, Bible word, consecrate means set apart, okay? Take a certain thing and, and, and actually set apart just to me. And so he says, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites, and here's the word, belongs to me, whether human or animal. 
So the firstborn, God's saying, it's actually mine. <laughs> it's, it belongs to me. So whenever there's a firstborn animal or a firstborn human, you, you, you give them to me. And then a few verses later, he explains it further, and he says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong, there it is again, to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So here's the points. And these are, and they are, as I love as Robert said, they're a little Old Testament, a testamenty. Testamenty. Do you remember like testaments? Do you guys remember seeing those? Bad idea. All right. So, but anyway, uh, this is the first point. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And this is a principle that you find all the way through the Bible. So, a lamb was always considered a clean animal, okay? And a donkey was considered an unclean animal. And so the clean animal, the lamb, must be sacrificed, and the unclean animal must be redeemed. And I don't know if you guys, like if you redeem something, what does that mean? It means brought back. It means something that I'm purchasing and bringing back to myself. He goes, the unclean animal must be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. Now, yeah, well, okay, great, what's that mean? <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. I've got a couple questions for you. Were you and I, human beings, were we, you and I born spiritually clean or unclean? What's the answer? Go ahead and say it. Yeah, unclean, right? And I, I was just—I was uh, speaking at uh, Campus Crusade this week on Thursday night, and use this, and we use this illustration all the time, right? Parenting yesterday, all you parents who you know, you know the answer to this, because how many of you had to train your kids to be bad? I mean, I, you don't have to do that. I always say there are two words that came out of my kids' mouths immediately: no, and mine. No and mine. You never have to try to get your kids to learn those. Naturally, we are born unclean. We are born, as we say here at K2, with a nature. The Bible says there's a nature, human nature, that's bent towards itself. And it's what screws everything up. So, there's an unclean, and that's us. Now, here's the second question. Was Jesus born spiritually clean or unclean? Clean. See, that's why the Bible calls him the Lamb of God, right? Because the lamb was the clean animal, and the, the, and the, the donkey, which that's what we are. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go there. Um, but that's what we are because we're unclean. And so Jesus, the clean, was sacrificed so that we, the unclean, could be redeemed. Now here's, in this message, the thing that so struck me, is that the firstborn, way back in the beginning, actually represents the tithe, because the firstborn had to be given first. Now this is so interesting, is that, and, think, and you, you probably haven't ever thought about this before, but in essence, Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus is what was given first to us. Because here's what's interesting. You always give a tithe in faith because you give it first. 
And God actually gave us Jesus in faith. The Bible says that he gave Jesus in hope that we would receive him. And this is really important. He says, while we were still sinners, Christ actually died for us. He gave us Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, I'm not asking you to clean yourself up. I'm not actually asking you to make yourself better. I'm not giving you Jesus with this condition to say, hey, only if you're a really good person and then I'll give you Jesus. No, he said, while you are my, while you're powerless, when you're ungodly and when you're a sinner, that's when I give you Jesus. So God gave Jesus in faith to us first. And so when we tithe, we give first back to him. And here's the interesting thing about a tithe, you guys, is we always give by faith. When you give a tithe first, you are walking by faith. And you're saying, I love you. That's what God says. God so loved the world that he gave. And then we say, I love you and I trust you. And so I give back to you. And so we understand that, right? So you don't pay all the bills and then see if you have anything left that you can give to God. And God didn't say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you like 10 animals. And then you choose out of the 10 which one you don't like. You know, the one that's over there eating your garden. <laughs> the spotted one, the weak one. And then you give him the one. No. That's not how it works. He goes, you give the first thing to me. Now, let's just talk about this for a second. All right? Probably as soon as I said the word tithe, many of you were like, ugh. Can they turn down the lights and I can just sneak out? Right? And I'm hoping today to kind of clear this up so it won't be such a bummer because we have so skewed the view of the tithe. For some of us, and here we go, well, I don't have to tithe because that's an Old Testament thing, <laughs> right? Well, and then we go, yeah, there's another Old Testament thing that says don't murder. That doesn't mean I go kill people because of an Old Testament thing or, or don't steal. That was an Old Testament thing. So, but here's what's interesting is the tithe, actually, the whole word supersedes the Old Testament. It's not just in the law. It's not just in the Old Testament law. It was actually Abraham and Jacob tithed hundreds of years before the law was ever put in place. And here's this one, another one. If Jesus actually said you should tithe, how many of you would tithe? Right? I mean, if Jesus said it, because that's where we're like, well, we're New Testament people. <laughs> we're grace people. Well, in Matthew chapter 23, he's talking to the religious people, right? The Pharisees, the people he had a real hard time with. And he says, woe to you, teachers of law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, you give a tenth. And that's all the word tithe means is tenth. He goes, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But listen to this. And then he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What's he saying? Yes, be full of justice and mercy and faithfulness, but don't neglect the tithe. So even Jesus says, this is something you should be doing. Now here's the other thing, and this is the bigger issue for, for me. And this is the main bummer about the tithe. And that is that some people have actually, you've gotten to the point where some of you believe that you have to tithe to get God to love you. And some of you actually believe that you have to, your salvation actually depends on your tithe. And that is absolutely incorrect. No, the answer is that's not true. Please hear me. 
No, he gave to you freely, so we say, I'll gladly return to you. When God gave to you us, what he was saying was, my heart is yours. That's what you and I can know, you guys. God's heart is yours, and he showed it because he freely gave. And then when you've received it, you give back to God, and all you're saying is, God, my heart's yours too. Since I have your heart and all your love because you first loved me and you gave first Jesus, I gladly give back to you because my heart is yours as well. So that's the first point. The firstborn, the first thing must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. In Exodus 23, 19, it says this. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the best of the fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. There's two things I just want to point out from here, okay? The first one, <clears throat> just real quickly, is it says we're actually supposed to give to the house of the Lord. Now back then, the house of the Lord, right, was the temple. And it was the place where, where the ministry happened, where the priests were there to do the ministry, where people would come, they get connected to God, God would bless them, and the resources were there to be able to do that. So today, really, it's the church. And so the tithe actually is supposed to go to the church. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a Methodist church, and when it came time to take the tithes, we had tithes and offerings. How many, anybody else remember that? Tithes and offerings. Well, what, what's that all about? Well, in the book of 2 Corinthians... Um, in the early church, the church in Jerusalem was suffering. They were under a ton of persecution. They were totally in need financially, and they were broken down. And so Paul was spending time, and he was going around, and he was telling the other Christians, you guys, we need to make a collection to help our brothers and sisters because they're in need. And so he was trying to get the Corinthians to do this, and then he was boasting about the church in Thessalonica. And he said, man, these guys, they're actually totally giving of themselves sacrificially for their brothers and sisters who are in need. Now look at this verse. This is very intriguing to me. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says this. And Paul goes, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. What's he saying? He said they gave the tithe first. The first thing they did was, I have received from God, and I'm going to give my first respect to God first. And then I see all these other needs, and those are my offerings. So now I finally get why I grew up with this church that said there's tithes and offerings. And so basically, there are so many things today to give to. And I'm sure many of you do. Well, Susie and I do. We've got missionaries, and we've got great organizations, and you've got Christian colleges, and you've got so many things that are in need. And so you give to those, all right? But the tithe is something you actually return to God. It's something you give to the church, and then you decide what goes out. So here's what's interesting. The reason that you don't get to designate where your money goes, where the tithe goes, this is so interesting, is because it doesn't belong to you. So the reason you don't get to say, well, I'm going to give a little bit to this organization, a little bit to that person, a little bit to this need, it's like, no, the tithe actually goes to God because it's not yours. So here's what's interesting. Specific needs 
the Bible says you give to. When God talks about the tithe, he never uses the word give. He uses the word bring. Okay, put the verse back up there for me. And they exceeded our, no, I'm sorry, the first one, the Exodus 23, 19. Look at that. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So why does God never use the word give when he's talking about the tithe? Because you can't actually give something that doesn't belong to you. Actually, you can just return it. So I was reminded by uh, Susie. Susie and I, years ago, we only had one car. And so uh, during the season, there was a, a family in the church, Mark and Francine Haug, which many of you know. And the Haugs actually didn't need use of one of their cars. And so they let us use it. And it was a convertible. Yeah, baby. I know you saw the pastor driving in a convertible and you're like, I ain't tithing. Right? I see what's going on around here. But I want to tell you what, man, my kids loved that car, right? For months and months afterwards, all we would ever hear is, we need to get a convertible, you know? I was ready to take the chainsaw to my van and just cut off the top of it, right? So here's what Susie and I did. Because our kids loved that car so much that when Mark and Francine came back and it was time uh, and they wanted their car back, Susie and I did, man, we really prayed. And so after we prayed about it, Mark and Francine came over and we said, hey, I just want to let you know, Susan and I, we've prayed and we've decided to give you this car. <laughs> no, right? So Mark and Francine were like, what? You, you, you can't give me, that's, that's my car. What are you smoking, Nelson? <laughs> See, and here's, that's exactly what we do. We actually think we're giving God what's his. The firstborn, what? Belongs to me. It's mine. And so this whole idea of what the tithe is, it's the giving, the rest of it, he's like, now that's yours to be a steward of, and you give as you decide with a cheerful heart. But you've got to return to me what is mine. Now, this is all the way through, you guys, that God says, and if you do that, if you actually sacrifice, give this back, then I'm going to redeem everything else. And so we see this principle all the way through Scripture. When, when God rescued the people, right, out of, of, of uh, Egypt in the book of Exodus, he said, now you're going to go to the promised land that what? I will give to you. And so when the Israelites went in, Jericho was the first city. So they go in to take over Jericho, and God said to them, when you take over Jericho, I want you to take all of the silver and all of the gold, and I want you to bring it to the house of the Lord. Why? Because it was the first city. And so God was testing their heart. So he, that's just this principle. If you, if you give me everything in the first city, then I'll redeem all the rest of it. So you know what happened? They go to the second city, because they totally take over Jericho. They go to the second city, and they completely lose. They're totally defeated. Why? Because some people took some of the silver and the gold, and they kept it for themselves. So what did God find out right from that first city? I'm not first. 
I'm actually not the big deal in your life. And so they lost. This next one, this next example was so interesting to me. Cain and Abel. These, are, these guys, right, in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, look at this scripture. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had respect for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. And I'll be honest with you, I, I was one of those guys, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he didn't like, you know, Cain as much as Abel. That wasn't what it was all about at all. And I listened to this message from Robert Morris, and he goes, he goes look at this. This is so interesting. What does it say? Abel, oh, go back to verse 3. In the course of time, so in a process of time, Cain brought what? An offering of the fruit of the ground. So basically what this is saying is, Cain brought whatever he wanted when he wanted to. In the course of time, when, a, when Cain finally felt like it, he brought an offering. He's like, well, I got all this stuff, and so I'll decide to give you a portion of it. But then you go to the next verse, verse 4, and it says, but Abel brought what? Everybody say it. The firstborn of his flock. See, so the issue is here. Cain gave what he, it was still about him. It wasn't about, and Abel was like, no, God, you're first in my life. You're my big deal. I'm bringing you an offering. And so God goes, Abel, I can receive your offering. Cain, I can't receive yours. And here, and did you notice what I said? It's not just that he wouldn't actually receive the offering. It's that he can't. Why? I mean, there's, there's a few things that God can't do. Do you guys know that? There's actually some things God can't do. Let me give you a couple illustrations. Number one, God can't change. Okay? Because if you could change, that means you could become better. And God's already best. <laughs> He's absolutely perfect and holy in all of his nature. And so God can't change. He can't get better. Another thing is God can't think like us. That's just not how he operates. Because you and I are always thinking to try to figure things out. God's not trying to figure things out, you guys. He knows everything at the same time. It's called God's omniscience. So this is so great. So basically, God has never said, oh, I just thought of something. <laughs> he can't do that. Because <laughs> he already knows everything all the time. Here's another thing God can't do. He can't be second. He can't. Because by very definition, God means it's what everything's about. He can't be second. So we call this pretty much the preeminence of God. He's above all things. He's first in all things. He's before all things. He is the big deal. He's actually what it's all about. He's why you're here. You're here for him. But we always sneak other things before him. So we'll say things like this. 
We, we talk about putting God first in, it's getting kind of funky here, isn't it? You gotta, all right, so you guys, right, we'll, we'll talk about, you need to put God first in your life. You guys, right, we'll, we probably even say that here. Well, here's the thing. He's getting ready to speak, so listen. Here, here's the thing. Whether you put God first in your life or not, doesn't change whether he's first in the universe. It doesn't change. He is first. And so that's why when we get to this time, Cain's offering wasn't a first fruit offering from his heart. It was from his own selfishness in the process of time, what he wanted to do. And God goes, well, here's the deal. I can't be second or third or fifth. So if you want... My blessing, if you want your heart and my heart to be together, I only am first. It's interesting, that's why the Bible says Jesus, Colossians 2.6, says you receive Christ Jesus as, anybody know? As Lord. That's what he is. So the first fruits must be offered to him because he's first. Here's the last one. The tithe must be First. So the tithe belongs to God because he's the first God. So in Leviticus 27.30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, here it is again, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26.10 says this, And now I bring, notice the word, what is it? It's not I give. I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. So there it is again. God has given you everything, and then you bring back to him. Here it is. So let's just use this as an illustration about the tithe. Let's say you, you do a specific uh, act of work or something, and because of that, you earn $1,000. And when you're paid $1,000, it actually comes in 10 $100 bills. That's what you've got, all right? So you got $1,000. How much is the tithe? Okay? So that would be one of those $100 bills. And that means nine other, 900 others are yours to live off of. Just give me these one, God says. Now, how do you know which one is the first one? Well, it's the first one that actually leaves your hand. That's how you know it's first. So here's what we do. Most of us, we get our paycheck, and we're like, okay, man, i got to pay the mortgage, and i got to pay the car payment, and I need groceries, and I need clothes. It's back to school, right? You just spent all your money on clothes and back to school supplies. I, we got a vacation coming up, and then you do all that, and then you go, okay, let's see what's left over for God. And then sometimes, that's what he gets. He's like, well, here's 20 bucks. That was left over. Or sometimes we just get to the point where we go, man, I'm so sorry, God. I just, I don't have anything I can give you right now. So in Malachi... What God was saying is, here's what you guys are doing. He goes, you're giving me a lamb, but you're giving me the one that's maimed and lamed and spotted. You're giving me the leftovers. And here's what you need to understand. God isn't a leftover God, or he's not what? He's not God. Because <laughs> he's first. So this is so important for us. And here's what you need to understand, you guys. The mortgage company, so instead of like, man, i got to pay my mortgage first, and here's the deal, your mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless you. 
God has the power to bless you. Nothing else does, but let's be honest, I think my, my, my house and my car and a great vacation and all the hobbies I love to do and looking hot on a Sunday morning is actually going to be my blessing. But God is saying, no. No. I want your heart. And you guys, this is so key. I was sitting there thinking about this, and here's where I go. Some people be going, this God is weird. He seems really selfish. Seems like it's all about him. Why does he want us to give this? Can I tell you? Here's why God wants your heart. When other things in your life become the big deal, you can lose every one of them. So you lose your job. You lose your house. Your car's lost. Whatever it is. And then what happens is that all the anxiety, all the fear, all the worry. And God is trying to help us understand you're not created for that. You weren't created. Do you guys know you weren't created for the American dream? <laughs> you were created for God. And here's what happens. So, first, I tithe right off the bat. And my heart follows my treasure. Now my heart actually gets connected to God. And he loves me. And he gives me everything for my enjoyment, the Bible says. And he can't change. And I can't lose him. And now finally, I have peace and joy and fullness of life. I have a full heart. I am loved. And I finally get to live how I want to live. Do you guys see how this works? This is why it's a big deal. And so when we go through this, you guys, just to close up, I, let me just tell you. So what Susie and I do is we got Wells Fargo, they're our bank, and the very first thing we did is we got bill pay, and as soon as our check goes automatically deposited into Wells Fargo, the first thing that happens is, bam, the tithe comes right to the church. I don't even see it. That's how it is. And, and I just want to encourage you, what a great way to do that, just to say, I'm not going to be tempted by saying, I don't know if I have this this month. I don't know if I can do this this month. Just set it up. Make him first. Do what he's asked you to do, and then watch, because God says, in Malachi, test me and watch what will happen when your heart is connected to my heart. So I really encourage you to do this. Now, let me just say this. Some of you may be in a financial situation right now where you're going, I am so in debt I can't do this. Man, we are going to provide financial peace. In a few weeks, that class is going to be offered. I'm telling you, the miraculous stories of people with tens of thousands of dollars of debt that we have been able to minister to who have got that debt paid off and become free. Yeah. Yes, it happens. It's awesome. And so look for that so that you can take that course so you can be free. All right, last thing. In this passage, one last passage, he says this. When in time to come, your son's going to ask you. So he, this is, again, the Old Testament. He goes, eventually your son's going to come to you, and he's going to say, hey, what does this mean when you shall say to Because why, God, are you continually sacrificing these sheep? And he says, when he asks you that, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. 
For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. And therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. What's he saying? Basically, he goes, here's what's going to happen. Your son's going to grow up, and he's going to go, hey, Dad, I don't know if you notice, because I'm, I'm watching the books now. We're ranchers, and every time one of our sheep has a firstborn, you, like, kill it. That was, like, 72 of them last year. Do you know how much money we lost? Why are you doing this? He says, when your son asks you that, you say to him, son, can I tell you something? We weren't always ranchers. We were slaves. We didn't have any sheep. We didn't have any lambs. We didn't have any goats. We had nothing. But by God's mighty hand, He redeemed us. And now everything we have is because of Him. So I gladly give back to Him and return to Him this 10%. So what does that mean for us today? Here's what I know. I've never been a slave in Egypt. I've never been a slave in another country. But I have totally been a slave to sin. And so have you. And slave is, slavery to sin, you guys, is even more intense because it's eternal. I was bound and determined to live apart from God. And when I live apart from God... Everything else falls apart. But God, with a mighty hand, gave His Son, sacrificed His Son to redeem me. To bring me back. To get my heart connected back to God's. So I gladly give Him. I gladly return to Him my 10%. Guys, your heart's a big deal. And your finances are a big deal. Because they're just tied to your heart. So here's what I'd love you to do. Would you just close your eyes for a second and just kind of bow your head? I just want to walk you through a couple of things. Here's, here's all I want to ask you to do. Band, you guys can come on up. <clears throat> what is God saying to you right now? You often say, man, I feel like you were speaking right to me. What's God saying to you? Let me just say one thing. I want to tell you He's saying to you. He's not condemning you. There's no condemnation. Don't ever think when you meet with God that He condemns you, okay? John 3.17 says He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So there's no like heavy-handed guilt here, but God does reveal things to us because He wants your life to be everything it was created to be. He wants to release you from anxiety and fear. He wants your heart to be one with Him. So what is the big deal in your life? What gets your life? What gets, it, what gets first from you? Is Jesus a big deal for you? And so another question is, and do you believe that if you actually tithed, that your heart would follow? In other words, if you actually did this one thing, your heart would get in line. Therefore, you would be redeemed. You would sacrifice this 10%, give it back to God. And your whole life, your heart would get back to Him. Brought in union with God. 
And so what do you need to trade in to believe that God's way of tithing is a way of redemption? And that's all we have. Lord, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, thank you that you care about our heart. Thank you that you do not want us to make anything else a big deal that can let us down or can cause worry and fret and anxiety. You don't want us to get caught up in anything that makes us greedy or selfish. You don't want our relationships to be divided. You want everything to be in harmony. You want our hearts. So Lord, I just pray right now for anybody in this room today that you would just speak to them very clearly. From your word, just trust me in this. Test me in this. And see what happens to your heart. And I ask that you would do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Well, here's what I'd love for you to do. Would you all stand with me? So, a few weeks ago, I was driving down the road again. This happens to me a lot here. And I heard this song that we're going to sing. And I called the arts team immediately and I said, okay, here's our theme song for this series. And it's just going to give you a chance to say, God, first, you are first to me. You're the big deal in my life. And while we do that, we're going to take our offering. And I hope you just, from what we heard today, just know all of you who are going to participate, again, this, you're not giving God anything, but you're going to return to him what is his. And if you want to return to God what's yours, and let your heart follow and be in union with him. Let's do that together. And while we're worshiping him, right? Because what worship means, you're, you're, you're right here. While you're worshiping him with your finances, let's worship him with song. Let's remember how much he loves us. Because we only love him because he first loved us. That's all. And let's do this with glad and joyful hearts. All right? Let's worship him together.